Girlfriends, episode number 176, How to Plan a Wedding and Not Lose Your Soul. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we are talking about how to plan a wedding because I did that. Can't wait to share all the details with you. Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends, how are you? Welcome to another episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. I'm always so glad when we can connect here. On my end, it feels like it's been a while because I pre-recorded a lot of those shows before um, the wedding, which was last weekend, and so I'm feeling a little bit out of touch with you all, but it was a glorious time, and I have a lot to share from the wedding. So those of you who don't know, my daughter, my oldest, Katery, got married um, a week ago from when I'm recording this podcast over Memorial Day weekend, and it was a wonderful day. There were so many blessings. I'm so grateful for the joy that we had that day. I'm so grateful for how well things fell into place, including the weather, which I was praying hard about. Um, and the whole thing was such a great learning experience for me, of course, because I'd never done anything like that before. And um, I heard from a lot of people when I shared the photos and a little bit of the experience on social media, a bunch of people got right back to me and said, please do a podcast about this. So I know this topic might not apply to you right now. I know a lot of you are moms of little kids and weddings seem like a very long way away, but um, I can promise you, <laughs> you will blink and you will be there. Um, but also, you know, it might be, I know I have some single ladies who listen. This might be something that you're thinking about planning your own wedding, possibly in the future, possibly right now. Might be something that you're anticipating as a mother of older children. Might be something that you've gone through and um, maybe you just want to commiserate or share some of your experiences. So that's what this show is going to be about, kind of talking about wedding planning, which is something we ladies like to talk about anyway. That's what I found as we were going through the whole process of planning this wedding for our daughter, that so many moms just wanted to connect with me about that. It really was beautiful when I was out in Denver at um, Light of the World Catholic Church out there for my You Are Enough retreat that I gave out there. Oh gosh, it feels like eons ago, but it wasn't. It was just a few weeks ago at the start of May. Um, so when I was there, I shared with them that my daughter was getting married later that month. And so many women came up to me to share their own personal stories of their own children getting married, um, of their grandchildren getting married in some cases, or of their own weddings. This is something that we really connect about as women. So I thought, why not? Let's talk about how to plan a wedding and not lose your soul. A little bit tongue-in-cheek title there, but for real, it's a struggle. It's a struggle, especially in a culture like ours that just kind of gets this stuff wrong, gets focused on the wrong things. Oh my gosh. So I have a lot to say here and I just thought I would narrow it down. Um, let me see. I've got uh, five different things that I want to share, just basic ideas. I have a ton more that I want to share. So if ever you and I meet up in real life and you want to chat about this, I would love to <laughs> because this is something that's very much on my mind. Uh, my son Ambrose is going to be getting married in January. On January 3rd, he and his fiance just announced that date. So I have another wedding that's coming up. Of course, this time I'm going to be mother of the groom, which I am told is a different experience, but I'm looking forward to being a part of that process 
as much as the bride and her mom would like me to be a part of that process. I want to be supportive and helpful in every way, but not intrusive. So, you know, I'm, I'm navigating those waters and, um, now navigating waters as a mother-in-law, which feels really weird to say, but I do, I have a son-in-law. So I now have another son. And my daughter, Juliet was just pointing out last night that if all of our kids get married, I'll end up with eight daughters and eight sons, which sounds crazy, right? Um, But that's how it is. It's really a joyful addition to your family. Anyway, we're going to get into some of these other topics here. But so I have five different points that I want to make about how to plan a wedding and not lose your soul. And really, that's the challenge because um, yeah, okay, I'm not wasn't really feeling like I was in danger of losing my soul. But I did feel like at certain points along the way, this was an incredibly hard thing to do. And it was um, sometimes stressful. Sometimes there was conflict. Sometimes I was helping my daughter navigate her own conflicts in regard to planning this wedding. And whether you're a part of this process as uh, a mother of the bride, a mother of the groom, uh, a grandmother of the bride or groom, or you're navigating the process of planning your own wedding, um, you know, I think it's important to keep in mind that everybody's experiences and um, their expectations are going to be different. So the first point that I want to make about planning a wedding so that you don't lose your mind or lose your soul in the process is there are no have-tos. This was kind of a mantra that I had to keep reminding myself of. My daughter was great about it, actually. She was no bridezilla. I mean, okay, she had her moments about certain things, but not the usual stuff. And um, she wasn't very demanding and she's actually more frugal than we are. So as far as spending money, she wasn't very demanding about that either. She kind of had a stomachache about how much we were spending on things, not that we were spending much. Okay, we had a little over 100 guests at the wedding, which really was about all that we could manage for the kind of event that we were planning. And I really liked the how manageable that kind of crowd felt. I know some people plan enormous weddings. I just recently talked to a couple in uh San Antonio, when I was there speaking, I met a couple that were engaged and they're getting married next month. I think it was June. And they had invited 800 people to their wedding. Whoa, very different thing. Awesome. If that's, you know, your idea of what you want to do. But for me, that definitely wasn't what we wanted to do. And it wasn't what my daughter wanted either, thankfully. Um, So anyway, starting right there, there are no have to's. You don't have to have a certain number of guests at your wedding, right? But down to every last detail, sometimes the temptation is to feel like we have to because everyone's expecting this. And now I remember this from my own experience as a bride. I was getting married right out of college. I was very young. I was very much like my daughter in um, approaching the wedding planning. I was just grateful my parents were willing to put on <laughs> put on an event for us and willing to pay for a lot of it. And I was not demanding about any of the details. But I do remember the the times when there was pressure, I felt, was on my mom's part when she was very much approaching this like, this is how it has to be done. Like our friends are going to notice if, you know, the invitations aren't this certain way, if the reception isn't a certain way, or if, you know, whatever it is that we were making a decision about. I felt that kind of pressure from my mom. And that's something I tried to be very aware of going into this process with my daughter to not be applying that kind of pressure to what we were planning. And I think weddings today are different from when, you know, like 50 years ago or 25 years ago when I was getting married. I feel like it's much more, and maybe this is a result of couples getting married later in life and they're putting on their own event. And it's not so much about their parents putting on the event for them. Um, But 
I feel like weddings, it's like, it's kind of accepted that there are no have tos. You don't, you don't have to do things a certain way. Um, for sure, we wanted everything about the mass to be the way it should be. But then with regard to, you know, all of the other incidentals and the different ways we plan to celebrate, there are no have tos. And it was something I kind of needed to remind myself of, like, is that the way it's done? Like, whenever I felt myself kind of wondering that, like, who cares? Like, this is our party. <laughs> we get to decide how it's done at our party. And, you know, planning an event that would be a joyful celebration. So I think it was important for me anyway, throughout this process to pause and um, ask myself and then also just in conversation with my daughter, and she was paying for um, a, a lot of these things herself. Like, what is your motivation there? Is your motive like, this is going to really be fun for me? This is going to be a wonderful way to celebrate this wonderful event? Or are, is our motive like, we have to do this? It has to be done this way, right? So, I, you know, I just, I would encourage you, if you are a part of this process in whatever role you're playing, to examine what your motives are. If you're feeling stressed out about something, if you're feeling like there's a have to, to pause. And I had to remind myself and my daughter and my husband on a regular basis, like, this is just a great party that we're throwing. And, you know, we as a family, we love to throw parties. You know, I've shared with you guys before about the annual Oktoberfest we have where, you know, we have, well, some years we've had close to uh, like 80 people here. And um, that's a lot of fun. You know, we do that because we enjoy it. So I kind of had to take myself out of that idea of it being a wedding and putting that label on everything, which seemed to just up the stress level and expectations are, you know, unreasonable when you start talking about it's a wedding, everything must be perfect, right? And just sort of say, we're planning this this great party to celebrate this wonderful event that our daughter's getting married to this wonderful young man. And we're very happy about it. We want to share that joy with other people. So there are no have-tos. I kind of had to remind myself of that. Um, and I found that when I reminded myself of that, I would relax a little bit. It didn't matter. You know, one of the things that my daughter wanted, absolutely, was she wanted the reception to be a pig roast. <laughs> and one of my first thoughts was, what? Like, you're going to have a pig on a spit? Uh, um, is that classy? And when I started researching it, um, yeah, this is a thing. It's like a trendy thing to have a pig roast at your wedding reception. And it actually turned out great. We had a guy who did a great job and the food was great. And it was actually a lot of fun. It was a fun element to the reception. So absolutely, we had a pig roast and um, that was great. Um, and, and, you know, so just sort of examining what your motives are. Are you, are you looking to like impress people? Well, maybe that's going to just add to your stress. And, you know, one side note, as we were going about this and planning it, I found it was actually not helpful to let people know when we were, you know, either booking a caterer or um, looking to, you know, do whatever we were doing for this event, um, renting, you know, tables and chairs or whatever. It's not helpful to tell people it's for a wedding because <laughs> that seems to add to the price tag all of a sudden. If you start telling people that this is for a wedding, um, they just they have certain expectations of what you're going to do and they will start applying that pressure to you. I actually remember this um, from my own wedding, going to get invitations printed and um, going, you know, this was back in the, the olden days, back 25 years ago. So we couldn't just, you know, pull up something online and get our own printing done for cheap, which is what Catery did. Um, great. I mean, I was so I was so thrilled that she did that. Um, but back then we went to like a printer place and we were ordering these and my mom was with me and the person there I felt like was such 
adding such pressure to every decision we would make, like, well, this is expected, you know, oh, are you going to upgrade to this kind of envelope? Um, that's sort of expected for a wedding invitation. And, um, terrible. <laughs> like, Just avoid that. Don't even tell people it's for a wedding when you're getting the flowers or whatever. You don't have to tell people it's for a wedding. When you're getting the cake, oh my gosh, you call it a wedding cake and all of a sudden um, it's <laughs> tons of money. So anyway, oh, side note on the cake. Um, my daughter got, she ordered a cake that was just for 50 people because it was even less than half the price of the cake we would need for 100 plus, which was the number of guests we had. But then we just ordered from our local grocery store bakery a bunch of cupcakes to supplement that. And we knew there were going to be a lot of kids at this wedding because we were inviting families and cupcakes would be great. And sure enough, that was great. And there was plenty of cake for everybody who was there. And the kids enjoyed the cupcakes for the most part. Kids had cake too. And there was even, I was even able to save um, some of the cake for saving in the freezer for cake and Brian to have on their first wedding anniversary. You know that tradition, right? Did you do that on your first anniversary? Dan and I did, and it was pretty terrible. And um, my friend Gigi, who was helping me to cut the cake at the reception, was telling me, why do we do this? She's like, it's terrible. It's like cake that's been frozen for a year, but it's tradition. And so you have a nice little first anniversary dinner, and then you have your wedding cake. I think it's cute. So anyway, that's in, in our freezer, ready for them in a year's time. But anyway, so that's my first first thing that I want to say is that when you're planning a wedding, there are no have-tos. And it's it's important to remember that. Okay, number two is sort of related because it's all about examining your motives. And um, so number two, I want to say, focus on the sacrament. That's what this is about, right? It's not just about the big party. The big party is celebrating the sacrament, which is beautiful. Honestly, that day, uh, I was so thrilled with the Mass. The Mass was so beautiful. I enjoyed every minute of that Mass. And, you know, I'm not going to say beforehand I was super focused on the Mass <laughs> because I was focused on all these other little details. Of course, there's a lot that you want to put into place when you're putting on an event like a wedding. But what a beautiful gift we have in the sacraments and this beautiful gift of grace that you want this person in your life, my daughter and um, my new son-in-law, to enjoy and to receive the benefits of this grace that they're going to receive in the sacrament of matrimony. What a beautiful thing and how wonderful it is and how it can put your your whole panic mode into perspective if you just kind of hit the pause button and say to yourself, this is about the sacrament. And I even found a lot of consolation in just thinking about, you know, years past, like when my grandmother got married, it was during wartime and she didn't even wear a white dress. She wore like this nice kind of like suit thing. And it was a very simple thing. Like people have been getting married long before we had these big parties and, you know, big receptions. And it's about the sacrament. You know, all the rest is just frosting on that expensive wedding cake. You know, you don't need to do it. Of course, we want to do it. And a lot of times we enjoy doing it. And it's a wonderful way to celebrate. But being focused on the sacrament, that that's the basics. That's what this is about. And kind of not losing your perspective with regard to that. It's it's what you want if you're planning your own wedding. It's about receiving that sacrament and beginning your life, beginning your family together with this person that you love. If it's about your child's wedding, it's about in, you know supporting them as they're making this new move in their life to begin a family on their own with the person they love, being supportive of them inside of that and wanting to get them the grace of that sacrament. That is what it is all about. So 
pausing, giving yourself that little pep talk and <laughs> reminding yourself that it's about the sacrament. And honestly, the mass was so beautiful. The music was so simple and beautiful. We, we had a young lady from our parish that we know and love who has a beautiful voice, who was doing the singing. And um, I'm going to tell you the most beautiful part of the mass was when Kateri and Brian at the end before the closing prayers of the Mass, brought flowers over to Mary, and they knelt before Mary um, as like the first act as a married couple, you know, consecrating their marriage to Mary. And the Ave Maria was sung. Such a beautiful moment. I honestly, uh, I did prepare to cry. I brought a lot of Kleenex. (laughs) I think I've shared this with you before. And I had my big sunglasses in case I really messed up my makeup. Um, But I didn't cry a ton during the Mass. I was just thoroughly enjoying it and the beauty of their exchange of vows. And I I very much was just enjoying every every little bit and just kind of living in that moment. But when they went over to Mary, honestly, that's when I cried the most. And um, my dad came over to me afterwards and told me how beautiful he thought that was and that that had brought a tear to his eye as well. So really a beautiful moment. If you're planning a wedding in, in a Catholic church, great, great thing for you to be able to do. Dan and I didn't do that at our wedding. Nobody suggested we do it. It wasn't a thing that I was aware of, but it's something that I've seen at other weddings as well and heard about other people doing. So for sure, um, if you are planning a wedding, um, ask your ask your priest about the opportunity to do that as part of your liturgy because it, it was a beautiful moment. And, um, you know, in that moment, all I could think was, here's Mary looking down on them with love. And I just could really feel it in that moment. It was really beautiful. Which brings me to my next my next point, which is talk to Mama Mary. If you are planning a wedding... You have to talk to Mary. You need to be praying to Mary. This is something I did a lot (laughs) along the way. So what I love to do, and I've talked with you all about that gospel story about the wedding at Cana and the role that Mary played there, the beautiful womanly role that she played there, the beautiful motherly role that she played there, where the young couple that had gotten married had run out of wine, and Mary was very aware of the embarrassment that this might cause them. And she cared about that. And I found a lot of consolation as we were going about the process of planning this wedding in reflecting on that Mary cared about that. Because, you know, Jesus's first response was, what's this to me, right? No big deal. I mean, and other people might have said, you know, oh yeah, it's a little embarrassing to run out of wine on your wedding day. This day was supposed to be special and this couple might be embarrassed by this. Um, But in the long run, not a big deal, right? In the big picture, really not a huge problem. But Mary cared about that little thing and she cared about their feelings inside of that. So I love to reflect on that because that tells me Mary cares very much if you are planning a wedding. She cares about those little things and the ways in which you might feel about those little things and the ways in which you might be trying not to freak out about those little things. Because let me tell you, I did have my moments um, and I did need to turn to Mary inside of some of those moments where I was tempted to freak out or was tempted to stress about money, stress about the planning, stress about the timing, stress about people's feelings about things, stress about the color of the flowers. Dan and I got pretty snippy at each other during one of those days. I don't know, it was probably about two weeks before the wedding when we were finalizing which flowers we were ordering for the centerpieces on the tables. And it, I mean, <laughs> it was so stupid inside of that moment, just snapping at each other about what color purple and is that too purple? That purple's too dark. And are we going to have lace around the vase or what are we going to put? Uh, like, what on earth? You know, taking a step back, and I did. 
um, thanks to one of my sons who was present who kind of made a joking comment about how ridiculous we were being, kind of woke me up out of that. And I thought, okay, yeah, this is stupid. This is ridiculous. But inside of that ridiculousness, recognizing that these, you know, we care about these things. And so praying to Mary for perspective inside of all those little things that you might be tempted to stress about. Um, and I was very much, you know, praying to Our Lady of the Wedding at Cana and um, reflecting on that story and asking Our Lady to guide us to be a part of our interactions with one another, to be a part of our plans for this wedding, which we wanted to be special. And, you know, this this event, which we wanted to go well and all, have all those little details to fall into place, including the weather. I was praying to Mary about the weather because um, she cares. And uh, we had a very cold and rainy spring here in New Hampshire, right up until right before the wedding. Pretty cold, pretty windy, pretty rainy, um, even just two days before. But then we had gorgeous weather. I mean, it could not have been more perfect. And I thank Our Lady for that. Honestly, she's she's the one who made that happen. Um, I also was thinking of Our Lady of the Wedding at Cana when I was buying the wine for the wedding. Um, just I, I had that kind of funny anxiety, which I have never experienced before with regard to a wedding. Like, uh, we need to make sure we have enough wine. We need to make sure we won't run out of wine. And I did overbuy the wine. Um, so Mary didn't need to intervene in that particular way with uh, changing water into wine at the wedding reception. Um, but anyway, all of those little details, you know, um, for sure, I think it's important to lean on Mama Mary because she gets it. And uh, she's she cares about these things. And I find such consolation sometimes in those moments when I'm tempted to freak out or when I'm feeling stressed and I'm like, is it stupid that I feel stressed? Yes, it's stupid, but I still feel stressed. Is it dumb that I'm feeling anxiety about X, Y, or Z? Yes, but I still feel the anxiety. You know, I think Mary is such an understanding mother, such a consoling mother, such a compassionate mother inside of those moments when we're tempted to stress like that, even when we know it's dumb, even when we know we shouldn't, Sometimes we're, we can't help it. And um, she's very helpful in calming our stressed out souls inside of those situations. So as you're planning a wedding, whether it's your own or for someone you love or a part of a wedding, sometimes you feel these anxieties and stresses even when you're just playing a role, like if you're a maid of honor at a wedding or um, a lector at a wedding or whatever it is. Um, and, you know, we're in the midst of the wedding season right now, for sure. Um, so whatever role it is you're playing, if you're feeling anxiety about it, I really want to encourage you to turn to Mother Mary inside of the, those moments. And it can be something as easy as just recalling the wedding at Cana and just saying a Hail Mary or saying a Memorare and asking Mary to give you proper perspective about um, what you're planning, what you're doing, and what you're feeling anxious about. All right, number four, for if you are planning a wedding, if you are a part of a wedding, if you are in a wedding, um, is to invite helpers. Invite people to help. People love to help. And sometimes we think, oh, I need a professional to do this or that thing. Well, no, you don't. If you have somebody in your life who can put together some great centerpieces for you or who has a, a knack for decorating with flowers or who could bake a cake um, or, you know, whatever it is, 
invite people to help, not putting pressure on people, of course, but um, I found that there were people who just stepped up and asked if they could be a part of things. And and people love to be a part of your special day. They love to be a part of your special planning. Um, my nephew, Eli, um, volunteered to play the keyboard at the reception. So we had live music at the start of the reception. Thanks to Eli. We, we weren't going to pay anybody to do that. That was not in our budget. But um, he's a talented pianist, and he brought his keyboard and hooked it up to our sound system that we had at the reception and played for us. And what a beautiful gift that was. And I know that it was important and special to him, but not not just to him, but to my sister, his mom and his dad, um, that they were able to participate in that way. It was really, really nice. And it was just, you know, wonderful um, to be able to include him in that way. And it added something very nice and um you know, enjoyable to the wedding reception. And other things like Gabby and Juliet, my other daughters, were in charge of putting together the centerpieces. And it was fun to just kind of plan that together, make a trip to Hobby Lobby and <laughs> put together what we needed for that. Um, and, you know, think of ways that we could do that that wouldn't be too expensive really a a great thing. Um, So you might know people who can do that. You might know somebody who could, you know, if you want a program at the mass, for example, that was something that I did for Catering and Brian. And it was a very stressful thing. (laughs) Let me tell you, very stressful because um, I used a template, right? If you've ever put together a program, right, that has six pages, it's actually two pieces of paper, right? And they're folded in half and um, figuring out what to put where. I used a template that... I, I thought worked and then I uploaded it to Staples, ordered it from Staples, picked it up and it was printed all wrong <laughs> on the wrong sides in the wrong direction, blah, blah, blah. In looking back, it was actually their fault. And um, so they reprinted it the correct way um, without charging us more. And so then we had those and okay, this is terrible. I, I had it before I sent it to Staples. I had multiple people proofread it for me and it got the seal of approval from multiple people. I will not name their names. But then two days before the wedding, Dan texted me and was like, um, the wedding's on a Sunday and on the programs it said Saturday, <laughs> which, okay. Um, in the grand scheme of things, does it matter? Not at all. And would anybody else notice? I mean, multiple proofreaders didn't notice. (laughs) So um, maybe not. And does it matter? No, it doesn't matter. But in that moment, it caused me a lot of stress and I decided to get it reprinted. Wasn't a ton of money, but um, it was a last minute stress and getting it reprinted. And I just ended up doing it at a local printer rather than driving to Staples, which is a good distance away, cost a little bit more, all of those last minute things. Anyway, why am I talking about this? Because you might want to ask somebody else to do your program um, because that is something that can actually add up to stress. So all of those little things. Um, and, you know, like her her brothers and her dad worked together to write the prayers of the faithful. Um, just a, like, a, it's a nice opportunity to invite people into your celebration of this special moment in your life, of, your, of this special event. And people, you know, I've been asked to read at weddings before. It's it's an honor. It's a privilege to be a part of that process. Um, and, you know, invite people into that kind of planning process. A beautiful way to encourage people to be helpers, but also to just, um, you know, in- increase your joy as you're celebrating this together, as you're planning this celebration together. So one helpful thing that um, we found was we we had a Google Doc that we shared among several of us who were involved in the planning of the wedding. And anytime we thought of something, a link to something, an idea for something, um, or like assigned a certain 
project to somebody. That was all written down in that Google Doc. So I was referencing that to see kind of assess our progress as as the day was approaching. And it felt really good, like three days before the wedding, to go through that Google Doc and say, hey, all the stuff is done. <laughs> like this feels pretty good. And uh, to the best of our ability, we have accomplished what we set out to do. And so that was really great. Um, anyway, so I do recommend Google Docs for that because that was actually a really helpful way for us to kind of plan that together. Um, oh, and one more thing. We did not hire a DJ for this wedding reception. Um, we have... Um, we invested in one more nice speaker. We have speakers that we use at our uh, parties that we have outdoors, um, whether it's Oktoberfest or a summer party or whatnot. Um, so we had like one nice speaker, but we wanted to have two. So we invested in a second one and some stands for the speakers. And then my son, Eamon, was sort of the DJ MC. He he volunteered to do that. He's very comfortable talking in front of people. And um, so he was sort of the MC for the reception. But then mostly it was, um, I, I mentioned my nephew, playing live music, but then switching over to, um, you know, more popular music, uh, just a playlist that Catering and and Eamon had kind of worked on putting together themselves, stuff that they liked, stuff they thought people would enjoy. Um, And that was a really nice way to save thousands of dollars. (laughs) So I do recommend uh, doing that. Maybe there's somebody in your life that you would feel comfortable asking to be the MC, asking to kind of play that role. Um, Another place where you can invite people in to help. Think about it. Whenever you're about to spend a ton of money to have somebody do something for this wedding that you're planning, pause and ask yourself if there's someone in your life that might enjoy actually doing that. And going back to that first point, there are no have-tos You don't have to hire somebody to do the music at your wedding reception. You may want to, and that's great. And you may, you know, you may have the budget to do that, and that's awesome. You know, so it's all about deciding what you want to spend your money on, what is important to you, um, what is meaningful to you, and and focusing on those things without thinking there are certain have-tos, like it has to be a certain way, or you can't have a non-professional do certain parts of your wedding. Yes, you can. You absolutely can. So I, I encourage you to think about ways to do that, ways that might be even really meaningful for the people that you would invite to be part of your special day. All right. The last point I want to make about planning a wedding and not losing your soul is allow yourself to feel the feelings. There are a lot of feelings around your own marriage, around your child's marriage, around the marriage of somebody that you love and you're close to. Maybe it's a sibling. Um, There are a lot of feelings. Let yourself have the feelings. (laughs) You know, I spent a lot of time worrying about um, whether or not I was going to become too emotional on Catery's actual wedding day. And I had some moments in the days leading up, you know, stress-induced, but also just, it's a very emotional thing. And I was talking to m- my sister about this, and my sister's very close with Catery. In fact, her daughter was the flower girl. Cute little story. Catery was the flower girl at my sister Christine's wedding years ago, uh, must be 20 years ago now. And um, then... Christine's daughter, Jill, was Catery's flower girl. So everything just kind of felt like so nice and perfect and coming together like that in all these beautiful ways. But I was I was talking with my sister the night before the wedding, and she's very close to Catery and has been since she was a toddler, a newborn. Like she was still, my sister Christine was a college student living at home at my parents' house um, after Catery was born. And there was a period of time there where my mom was taking care of Catery Um like five days a week because I was working full time. And 
I would bring her over early in the morning and my mom would take little Catery and just toss her in my sister Christine's bed. And uh, they would, she would have like a morning nap there with her college-aged auntie. And the two have just bonded and they've always been close. And it's a beautiful relationship between the two of them. But then, you know, my sister was sharing with me like the night before the wedding, this is hard for me. Like this is, this feels like I just keep getting these flashes of her when she was like a little girl, when she was tiny, when, you know, it's hard to even imagine that she's at this stage in her life where she's getting married and moving on in these ways. And it feels like a loss. It feels like a letting go and it hurts in some ways. Absolutely. Let yourself feel that way. It's okay to feel that way. It's okay to um, have have some of those bittersweet feelings about what's going on, even if it's a very joyful event. And I would encourage you, if you are planning a special day like this and you have these emotions about it, to, you know, embrace those feelings, not in a negative way, but let yourself feel all those feelings before the special day. Don't bottle it up and feel like, I can't, I can't deal with this. Um, because then you might, <laughs> you might become overly emotional on the day. What I found was that, and I'm a crier anyway, I embrace that I'm a crier. It's taken me a little, a little time to get here, but I do fully embrace that I'm a crier and I'm not going to apologize for it. Um, anyway, so I, I knew that. Uh, but I also very much was aware that I was going to be having some of these emotional you know, moments leading up to the wedding. And I allowed myself to have that. I didn't apologize for it. Um, I allowed myself to struggle sometimes. I allowed myself to feel sad sometimes. Uh, not, you know, overly embracing the sadness, but allowing myself to remember and to, you know, kind of grieve that loss of my little girl, which sad, of course, you know, that's a sad spin on your daughter getting married, but it's very much a part of the feelings that you have about planning a special event like this for one of your children. It is a letting go. It is a loss. And I think it's important to recognize that. So whether your child's going off to college or even if your child's starting kindergarten for the first time, it's a loss. We feel it. And like grief, it can hit you suddenly in unexpected ways. And you can you can choose to kind of squelch it or not allow yourself to feel it, or you can choose to allow yourself to feel it in appropriate ways and allow yourself to feel sad in some ways, to allow yourself to feel the loss of, you know, this this precious child that you knew and loved that is still, of course, very much present and a part of your life. And you are celebrating this joyous event with this this child, but they no longer are that two-year-old, you remember that four-year-old, that 12-year-old, whatever it is. It is a loss. And I think it's important to recognize that, especially as moms. It's important for us to affirm that for one another, that it's a loss, but it's also a joyful thing. That that word bittersweet is so perfectly applicable here because it's so sweet and it's so joyful, but it's also got a little bit of that pain and sadness and that kind of grief inside of it. And um, allow yourself to experience all those conflicting emotions. <laughs> and I think the more you embrace that through the process and prepare yourself for that day, um, the better you're going to handle it in the moment. Like I said, I did cry, but I wasn't out of control. And um, I, I very much appreciated every moment of that mass. I appreciated the moments even where I felt pretty emotional. Um, but I felt like I was well prepared for that moment because I had allowed myself to feel all the feelings leading up to that day. Does that make sense? I, I experienced something similar when my oldest son went away to college. He was the first to go away to college. And I felt like that whole summer before he left, 
I, I would just cry at the drop of a hat. And I, I felt like I was grieving that loss of him being home in our house every day, you know, living under our roof all the days of the year. And I felt like I was grieving that loss throughout the whole summer leading up to him going away. And so that by the time we moved him into his dorm room and it was like saying goodbye, I thought I was going to be a mess, but I wasn't. I, I was pretty much okay. And it felt like it was right. And I was well prepared for that moment. So as much as you can, I want to encourage you to feel your feelings, examine what your feelings are, bring them to prayer, share them with other people, talk about them, be open about what you're feeling, be open about the the conflicts you might be having in, inside of what you're feeling, you know, because it is conflicting emotions and the turmoil that that might feel like. Talk about it, um, you know, not to be overly focused on yourself or your own experience of this, you know, it's not all about the mother of the bride, or so I've been told. Um, <laughs> but no, really, allow yourself to feel those feelings and allow yourself to process them them leading up to that special day. And I think that day will be all the more special and meaningful, and you'll be able to be fully present inside of those beautiful moments of that special day, the more prepared you are for it ahead of time. So, you know, allow yourself to feel the feelings. So those are my five points that I wanted to make. I do have a million more. So... (laughs) I'm not promising I won't do a follow-up to this, but not next week. We'll take a little break from wedding talk. Um, But I hope this is helpful to you. So my my five points are there are no have-tos, focus on the sacrament, talk to Mama Mary, invite in helpers, and then feel your feelings. Don't apologize for it. You might have some thoughts to share on wedding planning or uh, whether it was planning your own wedding or planning your child's wedding or Um, you have some tips for ways to save money in that process. I know people are very interested in it. And one thing I do want to mention with regard to tips is um, a lot of people commented on social media about how beautiful my daughter's gown was. She did not spend much money on that dress. Truly was beautiful and very traditional and a lot of lace and long sleeves. And um, she changed into a different dress at the reception after she'd been there for a little while, something she could be a little more comfortable moving around in. Um, But it was a very similar style with a lot of lace. And um, I'll share, I'll get from her because I cannot remember the name of the company, Uh, but I will get from her the link to the company that she ordered it from. Um, and she sent them her measurements and it it took a little while. So you kind of have to plan ahead. Um, and they sent this and it it needed to be fitted a little bit by a seamstress, but for the most part, just a perfect fit and beautiful, a beautiful dress. And it absolutely served the purpose for not too much money. So I will share the link to where she ordered that from in the show notes for this episode at ascensionpress.com. But if you have your own tips, your own ideas, if what I've talked about here sparks memories of your own wedding day, ways in which you might advise other people to avoid the crazy or avoid spending way too much money, if you have some ideas to share, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me, danielle at daniellebean.com or comment in the show notes, comment on social media. I'm Danielle Bean on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'd love to hear from you there. Don't go anywhere. We're taking a quick little break and we'll be right back with more Girlfriends. Hi, I'm Sonia Corbett, the Bible study evangelista. When I became Catholic, I had a really hard time understanding the role Mary was supposed to play in my life. So I went to her and I told her, I just don't get it. I need your help. And guess what? Mary did just that. She showed me a way to pray that has revolutionized my entire life. Mary has been called the mother of listening. She didn't just hear the word. She knew how to hear it in light of her own relationships, circumstances, and habits. 
And then she let the word transform her. I realized that I had to share what I was learning about Mary's way of praying with others. So I wrote How to Pray Like Mary, a step-by-step guide to discovering God's voice in the scriptures and letting Him transform your heart. I invite you to learn more about How to Pray Like Mary at ascensionpress.com or on Amazon. Welcome back. You know how I love your feedback here at the Girlfriends Podcast, and I've got a little bit that I want to share today from listener Teresa. Hi, Danielle. This is Teresa Foley. Um, I love your podcast, and um, I'm calling about your recent podcast um, about changing behavior and establishing new habits. Um, I really loved all the ideas you had, and um, I'm always trying to establish um, new habits, sometimes too many at once. Um, And so I'm not an expert at this by any means, but I had some additional thoughts um, that I figured I would mention in case they were helpful uh, for anybody. Um, So I wrote them down and it kind of seems like a lot. But anyway, um, praying, uh, recognizing the power of inertia, um, taking time to plan, setting limits and boundaries, um, being cautious with with rewards, and then uh, reviewing and adjusting as needed. Um, so let me just kind of quickly go through what I mean. So, you know, prayer, of course, um, that's that's the last thing I thought of, but it's really, of course, the first thing we should all be doing. And so just I need that reminder as much as anybody else. Um, we can ask God, you know, is this something that is worth my time right now? Is, is this something I should be focusing on and, and giving up, you know, time and energy uh, from other, other projects to focus on this? Um, and then if so, you know, we can ask God for help because we need it um, and we can just continue asking God for help. He doesn't tire of that. Um, and then the power of inertia, um, you know, our re- just recognizing that essentially our current behavior is already an established habit. Um, and so when we're starting a new habit, we're essentially, you know, trying to start a new habit and stop an old habit. Uh, and so that's, you know, extra difficult. Um, so, you know, first we can try to basically plan on not changing much. Uh, realistically, that's what's going to happen. We, You know, it's very hard to make huge changes in life, and it's also very hard to just even make small changes. So we should just kind of smart uh, start small. Um, so limiting the number of things you're working on at any given time, you know, it, it really just may not be realistic to try to work on, you know, exercising and sleeping more and having more time for fun and working on your marriage and, um, you know, becoming friends with your neighbors and whatever, everything at the same time. Um, So really trying to prioritize there. And then uh, just starting even smaller than seems reasonable. Um, So, you know, instead of, you know, maybe eventually you want to exercise uh, 30 minutes a day, four days a week. Um, And so starting with 15 minutes, you know, sounds reasonable. So, um, but I would recommend, and I used to tell, uh, tell patients this to try to start with even just say five minutes a day, um, two days a week. (laughs) Um, um, because, you know, establishing the habit is the hardest part. And then once you've established the habit, you can always just build, build from there. Um, and then, and then also celebrating successes, even small changes can really add up to be huge changes over time. Um, so I, I often think of kind of an analogy of a ship, you know, if you have this huge cruise ship, um, even if it's going pretty slowly, um, it's extremely hard to change course. It's, it's very difficult to move, 
direction, you know, even just to turn the ship just by a few degrees. Um, you know, so really focusing on, on changing the course first, and then you can build up speed, you know, then you, from there you can go faster and faster and that's, that'll be easier. Um, and then, you know, any small change that you do make, uh, can become a huge change over time, you know? So with the ship, if you just change course by a few, you know, a few degrees, um, you know, you may end up, you know, miles and miles, um, away from what the original destination would have been, uh, if you hadn't made that small change. Um, and then taking time to plan, um, and really just kind of brainstorm about, you know, your motivation, what the new habit will look like, um, and then what are some potential barriers. So, um, you know, so first motivation, what are you going to gain um, if you establish this new habit? So if you quit smoking, you know, you'll be healthier, you'll have, you know, fresh breath, you won't spend money on cigarettes, um, you know, et cetera. Um, and then also what, what might you lose? Um, so especially when it comes to start to stopping bad habits, um, it, it can be important to consider, you know, is there any need of mine that this bad habit is meeting? Uh, so, you know, in the smoking example, you know, if you, if you quit smoking, you know, maybe you'll lose, you know, your smoking breaks. Maybe that's the only time you have for yourself, or that's the only time you can kind of chat with your colleagues or get away from a stressful office situation. Um, you know, if you're spending too much money on takeout coffee, you know, but you realize actually that's the only thing that's, you know, that's, you know, the budget is so tight and this is the only, you know, little treat I allow myself, um, then it's just going to be extra hard to, to change that habit unless you find a way of meeting that need in another, you know, maybe healthier, uh, preferable way. Um, and then I, I love the idea of the pre-mortem of sort of doing the, um, the exam, uh, so to speak, um, before, beforehand to identify potential pitfalls. Um, and I think one thing that can help identify some uh, some barriers that may come up is to think about why you're not doing the thing now. So, you know, what's why is this not already an established habit in my life uh, that can help to kind of brainstorm about some potential barriers and things to, to work on when you're planning your goals. Um, and then uh, setting limits or boundaries um, is something that, you know, I think seems counterintuitive, um, but I think it's pretty helpful. Um, so, for example, if you're, you know, struggling in prayer and you want to do, let's say, 30 or 60 minutes a day uh, in prayer, but, you know, you sort of find yourself avoiding it because you end up getting distracted and just kind of sitting there, it feels like sitting there forever and you're just kind of wasting time. Um and then, you know, start small, um, as I mentioned, maybe just, you know, 10 minutes. Um, and then also set an upper limit, you know, say 20 minutes. So you can, you know, have a, a soft, you know, chime or something alarm, you know, on your phone um, that can make a little noise after 10 minutes. So you can stop if you're distracted and, you know, you've, you've at least put in some time to try to, to try to spend with God that day. Um, and then if you're really, you know, find that it's fruitful, then you can continue going to 20 minutes. Um, and then, you know, let's say, same with exercise, you know, if you're, say you're going to run for five minutes a day, uh, twice a week, um, but you find that you're really enjoying it and say, well, okay, well, I'm not going to do more than 15 minutes, three days a week, you know, even if it feels great and I want to do more. Um, because, you know, let's say you, you know, it feels great and you push yourself and you go for an hour one day, um, you know, you rightfully, uh, you know, should be proud of yourself and make feel great. Um, but then the next day you're going to think, you know, I don't have time for that. Um, and it's going to seem like every time you do it, it should, it should be an hour because you know, you're physically capable of doing it and you did it that one day. Um, so again, just kind of really trying to start small, stick to just a small change and making that habit. And then eventually, you know, building it up over time. 
Um, and then related to, to kind of, you know, setting those limits would be setting a time window. So for example, you know, um, I'm going to exercise before 9am and not after 9am. <laughs> um, you know, if you don't have some kind of a boundary like that, then there's less pressure to actually do the thing, um, at that time or even to do it at all. Cause it's just this sort of vague thing that kind of hang, can hang over your head all day long. Um, so, you know, if I don't do it today, you know, then I'm just going to move on to other things after 9am and I'll just try again tomorrow. And eventually, you know, it will be easier to get, to get that thing done. Um, and then with rewards, rewards are, are really important. They could be good motivators and I definitely recommend, uh, uh, rewards and, you know, and working with people. Um, but I think, uh, we have to be cautious about making, uh, you know, one good thing contingent upon another good thing, you know? So for example, you know, kind of saying, I'm not going to take a shower and put on normal clothes until after I've exercised, you know, that's where, okay, you know, establish some kind of a time limit. And then no matter what, you know, by 9am or whatever the time is, you know, if I haven't exercised, no, you know, regardless, I'm going to shower and put on normal, nice clothes, because then I'm going to just feel a lot better about myself. And that's a good thing I want to do, whether or not I exercise. Um, or similarly, you know, saying I'm not going to buy myself any clothes that fit until I've lost five pounds. You know, if you don't have anything in your drawer that fits, um, that you can feel decent in, you're just going to feel crummy about your body and you're even less likely to take care of yourself. So, you know, it may make more sense to buy a few basic items that fit. And then, you know, after you've, you know, gotten into better shape or whatever the goal is, then you can treat yourself to um, some additional things. Um, and another example that I've kind of had some people struggle with is, you know, stopping to bite their nails, um, trying to stop biting their nails and say, you know, okay, well, I'm not going to get a manicure unless, um, until I let my nails grow for two weeks, uh, without biting them. Um, this is, I've done this myself. Um, but you know, but often people will bite their nails partly because they just look kind of crummy. Um, and so it may just make more sense and ultimately save you money and, and time by saying, okay, well, I'm going to get myself a manicure you know, regardless, and just kind of keep my nails looking really great. And then that will help me, you know, change that other habit of, of biting my nails. Um, and then finally, to review and adjust as needed. You know, you mentioned with the, the SMART goals um, being time, time bound um, or time limited. Um, so, you know, saying I'm going to do this thing for two to three weeks. And then whether you've done it or you haven't done it, or it's you've kind of done it partially or, you know, done it in a different way, that's all important and valuable information. And, you know, so to really kind of stop after that time, reassess, you know, what, what worked and what didn't, and then that can help you with your next goal, um, you know, for the next next few weeks to, to just make it that much more realistic and achievable. Um, so that's it. Um, thank you again for the podcast and I hope your daughter has a beautiful wedding. Um, God bless you. Bye-bye. Okay. Teresa, that was amazing. <laughs> okay. I don't know if you're a professional, like a mental health professional. I think you mentioned something about patients in there. Maybe you're a doctor, maybe you're a therapist or a counselor. I'm just guessing here, but you didn't state what your credentials were, but it sounds like you're speaking from a position of authority on these things. You did a great job. I really, I love the ideas that you shared. And honestly, listeners, wasn't that like getting a little bonus podcast within a podcast? <laughs> I think it's super. I love how organized you were about sharing your thoughts and all great thoughts on that sticky topic of changing habits, which seems to come up again and again, because it's something that we all do struggle with. So I love that. And I 
I love that you shared, uh, especially that tip about setting a limit, setting a boundary on this habit that you're trying to change, because you're right, that is counterintuitive, but I can see how that could be enormously helpful, like saying, I'm not going to do more than this. Because you know what that does for me anyway, with something that's hard that I'm trying to take on, it makes it seem more manageable, like there's an upper end. Because sometimes that's what overwhelms us about taking on a new habit, like, am I going to do this forever? Do I have to do this, you know, to the max every day for the rest of my life? And that can be overwhelming and discouraging. So I think that that really kind of sets a limit on it that makes it feel much more manageable when you're like trying to grasp this concept of this new habit you're trying to take on. So thank you for all of those tips because they all were wonderful. I'm going to go back and listen to them again because I think that was really helpful. And um, I, I, want, I want to thank you for taking the time to share them with me in that organized way, in that encouraging way. I think uh, it's such an important topic for us to talk about, this idea of changing habits, because we're always looking for ways to improve ourselves, new habits that we want to take on or bad habits that we want to leave behind. And as you so aptly pointed out, it often is a combination of the two, right? You're adopting a new habit and trying to let go of an old habit that you don't want to engage in anymore. So very helpful tips. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being such an important part of the Girlfriends podcast community. I love all that you shared, Teresa. Thank you so much for that. Now, you don't let Teresa's awesome feedback, amazing over-the-top feedback, discourage you from sharing what you want to share because um, she set the bar pretty high, but uh, I would love to just hear what you thought of today's show. I would just love to hear from you with a question that you have that you'd like for me to take up on a future show because honestly, I am doing this podcast for you. I am here for you. That is why I started to do a podcast in the first place, was to help other people, to encourage other people who are walking the same path along with me. So the best way I can do that is if you let me know what's going on in your life. If you let me know what topics you're interested in, what would be helpful for you to hear from me about. I love that people shared their ideas for me doing a wedding podcast. And so here it is, right? So reach out to me. You can reach out to me on social media, Danielle Bean on all forms of social media, or send me an email, Danielle at DanielleBean.com. Or at that email address, send an awesome voicemail like Teresa did. I would love to hear from you and incorporate your ideas, your questions, your topics in a future episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. And that's all the time we have for today. I need to go and pick up some kids at school. So I'm going to wrap this up here, but not before I thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of the Girlfriends podcast community. You might not think you're contributing anything if all you ever do is listen, but I am so grateful for the fact that you are listening. I am so grateful for the fact that you tune in and want to connect with me about these topics that we share about here at Girlfriends. You are a valuable member of the Girlfriends podcast community. Thank you so much for your presence here. It truly is a gift to me. Thank you for being here. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between DanielleBean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. Mm-hmm.